Welcome back, Panther fans. I'm David Brown, along with Tim Thurber. Hello. And this is State of Atlanta. Good timing well, on that, man. <laughs> Welcome back, Tim. We missed you last week. You know what? I needed it. I need to be away from work, and I need to be on a beach, and I need to be drinking. I need to be eating, and I didn't need to swim about 15 feet from a shark, but... Oh, did you Outside really? of that, yeah, yeah, man, that was a uh, that'll get your heart moving. Uh, you're in the water, kind of deep out, and um, all of a sudden, I'm I'm face down one side of the beach, and there's this, these other two people, probably about I don't know, 20 feet from me, face the other way, and all of a sudden, we see this fin come up <laughs> and cruise toward the beach shoreline and go back down, and all four of us flip out. Yeah, how fast did you get back on the boat or whatever you guys were on? I dropped my beer and I, my heart was pounding out of my chest, man. Like, that is not one thing. I know sharks are all over the ocean, right? Right. As long as they're underwater and I don't see them, I don't really care. Yeah, I have a huge fear of large bodies of water. Give me a swing pool all day long, but even a big wave pool at a water park, I'm like, no, this is too big of a body of water for me. I don't know what's down here. I mean, it's a wave pool, so it's probably a lot of urine, but... uh yeah, I'm not yeah. large bodies of water. I'll sit there on that boat and I'll drink beer all day long, but uh, I'm not getting in that water at all. You could stand like knee deep, right? You'd be okay with that. Oh yeah, if I can see the bottom of it, that's fine. No big deal. I'm good there. It so. was pretty murky, but um, yeah, that was heart stopping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, while you were gone, um, we actually gained our Ryan independence for the night, so we don't have to deal with him tonight, which is great. Cheers. You can go ahead and cheers to that one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, we, uh, I'm not sure if you are caught up on the news, looked back and looked, but our game against Charlotte was canceled or postponed, as they said. I thought we won. Uh, well, if you can win without scoring any points, we, uh, yeah. we didn't score any points. Neither did they. Neither did they, I should say. Thoroughly disappointed in that, by the way, because it was going to be something I watched on the way home from the beach. Ah, um, gotcha. Were you going to try to stay away from all the updates and everything? No, I was just going to watch on my um, iPad across on, on watching. On, I think it was oh, the you're out there. You're out there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, get, we'll talk about the disappointment that was the cancellation of that game. But this week we do have a game uh, coming up against our first um, American athletic conference opponent at home. You know, we uh we played ten, played Memphis out there in uh, Memphis a couple of years ago, which uh, did not go our way. But we have a couple of guys from another podcast, ECU podcast, um, the uh, Sport Objective. We have got uh, Bubba and Dave. Welcome, guys, for joining us. Thanks for coming here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right, no problem at all. I didn't watch your, uh, your episode. I was doing the whole uh, stream thing while you guys uh, were talking about uh, ECU and all kinds of sports. No question. We just got done with one. It's a marathon tonight, but uh, you gave us invitation. So, like your name, David, by the way. And uh, hey, yeah, it's not a bad <laughs> name. There's not. A, there's not a lot of us around there, is there? <laughs> how long? Our, have you guys been, how long have you guys been doing the sport objective? Tell us a little bit about it. All right. So I started the podcast uh, two and a half years ago. Um, we were. It was me and another guy. Actually, you would have liked his name. His name was David as well. He <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Uh, his health was very bad, worse than I thought. He passed away Father's Day of 2018. Oh. Um, so Kyle uh, Barber, that's uh, not with us tonight, uh, we try to be fair to have two on two uh, <laughs> here for uh, Georgia State and East Carolina. Um, he actually uh, came on me the very first week of our podcast. We had 
the athletic director basically took a buyout. Uh, there was so many problems we don't have enough time to go into. That's why we're in the state of East Carolina is in the shape we're in is because of the previous administration as far as off the field. Um, there were so many things. So um, I start the podcast. Second episode, Kyle comes on. He pretty much came on with me every time. There he is. Hey, Kyle. Uh, every time he's there. Uh, every time there was an East Carolina matter, he came on. And then I think it was April, Bubba, that I heard from you. Uh, he reached out to me and uh, he was behind the scenes for a couple months with me. And we were talking about ideas. And then the three guys, we started our show officially as far as the three of us, July, the, literally July the 1st. So it was like, I guess, four months later. But we've been together ever since. And um, I'll go to war with these guys anytime. Right, Bubba? Right, Kyle? Absolutely. Um like you say, or like Dave said, rather, um, I had stumbled across the podcast just by accident on um, one of these Carolina message boards. I think it was Hoist the Colors on .net. And um, I said, hey, I'll give this a listen and see uh, what kind of content Dave had. And uh, I was impressed with what I heard. And uh, as you hear my six-year-old Reese entering the room right now. But, uh, but, yeah, I liked what I heard. And so I connected to uh, with Dave and reached out to him and, and told him how much I like the program. And uh, I, I just said, I think I can bring something to the table, bring it, being a lifelong pirate fan. Excellent. Yeah. We're pretty new ourselves. I mean, you guys are the, the veterans here. We've been doing this. This is just our second season, second football season of doing everything. So we're still trying to figure the whole thing out. Uh, you said you go to war with these guys. Uh, well, we go to war with each other every single week. <laughs> There's a, normally another guy on here, uh, Ryan. He's not not another David. And uh, yeah, between the three of us, we don't agree on anything pretty much ever. Well, typically Tim and I tell Ryan how wrong he is. But anyhow, uh, Bubba, you made a comment about you were on one of the East Carolina message boards. And that's a big difference between East Carolina and Georgia State, I would say. You guys have a pretty big, rabid, passionate fan base. And we're still a pretty new program that even though we're 10 years old, 11 years old, really getting our feet out from under us just now. And uh, we've struggled to get that big fan support. So we only have one message board. So uh, <laughs> you guys are winning in that department. <laughs> well, so with that being the case with the, uh, the big fan base and the travels, well, and all that kind of stuff, big parties at the games, what was that game day experience? Like not the game itself, but the, the game leading up to the game, on Saturday there in Greenville, uh, were you guys able to do anything? Were there any fans in attendance? What was it like? There were 350 fans. Um, all of those were players, parents, or family, uh, obviously. Um, in some players' cases, it, it may have been an aunt, aunt uncle, or grandparent, uh, or what have you. But uh, it was all family members, 250 for East Carolina, 100 for UCF. Um, that will be changing uh, in the month of October. East Carolina's next home game is on October 17th when Navy comes to town. And there's going to be somewhere in the 3,500 to 3,700 range for that one. Yeah, that's what uh, our school has done is they're limiting it down to 5,000. That 5,000 actually includes the players and the coaches and the administrative staff that's all there. And, you know, I went to our first game against uh, Lafayette and it was not 5,000, I don't think. But we did have some opposing fans in there. So it did get a little bit of a chance to hear some some rooting for each of the teams. It was a, a good experience. Uh, do you guys know of anybody or any, any crowds are going to be coming down to Atlanta for the game? Yeah, we actually I'll take that one. Uh, 
we actually have people that bought season tickets uh, for Georgia State just so they could go to the game. Uh, I, I know that for a fact. So I know that's happening. I don't know how many are doing that, but I do know that's the case. So uh, you might have some pirates, or I don't, I don't. Maybe they won't come to all the season, all the games in the season, but they'll be coming to the game on Saturday for sure as a season ticket order. Well, tell nice. them all to come find uh, us and transfer all their tickets to the rest of the season to us. We can find some home to some Panther fans for them if, they, uh, if they're not going to make it to the other games. Because I'll tell you what, there is not a big third-hand market for uh, tickets or second-hand market for tickets for Georgia State games. And especially this year, too, obviously, with only selling season tickets, uh, it's been difficult. But there has been a little bit of a change, uh, for, I guess, for any Georgia State fans or ECU fans out there that might be listening. They're doing a four-game plan. Um, for starting at 60 bucks, So you get ECU and then Coastal Carolina, ULM, and Georgia Southern um, for 60 bucks. Not a bad deal if there's any ECU fans out there listening that want to come to the game uh, this Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, we have a – David and Tim, we do have a great big fan base um, in the Atlanta area, and so maybe they couldn't make it to the East Carolina games, but maybe they're like the crazy guy um, to actually to my right. Uh, Bubba that loves to go to a lot of games like me, um, then they would say, hey, what are you doing this Saturday? Let's go to the, the Georgia State game. There's a lot of uh, Pirate alums in Georgia, specifically in Atlanta, uh, that maybe you guys could uh, definitely they could be their second team or they're looking to watch a college football game. Yeah, that's kind of the the state. I was, was going to say the state of Atlanta. That's not what I was <laughs> exactly. But that's kind of what we deal with here in Atlanta and Georgia. There's such a uh, – Transitive, transitional uh, city and state. We have fans from all different fan bases, from all different colleges, from all different pro teams down here. So, uh, yeah, all I ask is if you weren't a fan of an Atlanta team when you got here, make them your second team and come out to the games and enjoy it. And we know that whenever your team comes down here, you'll be out there rooting against us, and we're used to it. It happens. So. <laughs> yeah, I I'd plan on making the trip down, guys. And um, my son's eight years old. He'll be nine here in um, – a little over a month, um, but um, unfortunately, uh, he has a baseball tournament this weekend. Obviously, looking forward to that, but uh, it was it was heartbreaking that I couldn't make that trip down because you can really get to Atlanta uh, almost as quickly as Greenville. Not not quite. It's about three fifteen to Greenville, and then probably a little between four and four and a half to Atlanta. We were really excited when this game got put on the schedule, whatever it was, like 15, 20 years ago, because that's how football scheduling goes. Because because of that fan base of East Carolina, we knew how passionate they were, and we were looking forward to having a big crowd uh, of the opposing fan base in the stadium. We've historically played poorly in our home field, but we've always played really well on the road. So we felt like if we made it feel like a road game for the guys, we may actually play a lot better. <laughs> I had a question as far as the uh, guys. I know you mentioned, I heard your podcast a few days ago, um, but I think it was the very first one. I wanted to see what you guys did. But what was the transition like from, so like, for example, Conference USA, and now they're with us as a conference mate in the American Tulane had to play in the Superdome. And then now they have their stadium on campus. What about you guys as far as you have played in, uh, I guess, the Mercedes, the Georgia Dome, but you play there, and then now you guys have your own. What was the guy to your right is a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Um, that's how I know about this Turner Field, which is now is it Georgia State Stadium? Is that right? Am I getting that right? It was Georgia State Stadium up until just this off season, where we finally got a name sponsor, and it's now um, the 
the abbreviated version is the Center Park Stadium. It's Center Park Credit Union Stadium or something. But it's Center Park, the park, uh, if you will. But I, I'll let the I'll let Tim field this one as far as what it came like from moving on from the Georgia Dome onto our on-campus stadium. Yeah, I mean, obviously being the Georgia Dome, it was huge. Um, you know, outside of a handful of games uh, in the beginning that were a great atmosphere, even with only the lower level being sold, you know, as our seasons progressed and we didn't progress the direction we wanted to and wins, uh, fans dwindled. It became pretty cavernous, I would say, um, which I can't imagine what Tulane was like. They probably had the same challenges down there in New Orleans. Except um, for the stadium sucks really bad. Right, except for that stadium is terrible. <laughs> I will vouch for David on that one. That's not my favorite NFL stadium at all. Um, but moving to Turner Field, definite um, really good energy. Uh, they did a really great job, you know, with reconstructing and making it from baseball to football. Um, and it's got a really good vibe and atmosphere when we, you know, fill the seats even higher than what we used to, even with lower numbers. I don't know. I think the sound just echoes pretty well in there, and the fan noise does carry pretty well both from the, you know, home side and, quote, the away side, even though there is no away side, although there is this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the interesting thing about it, I think, is they did a great job of reconfiguring it. And it basically goes along what was the left field line is the orientation of the field. And so we basically built out some seats into the right field lane. But you can tell it was a baseball stadium, but it has a very unique uh, feel to it. I guess the only real problem is – a lot of our fans prefer to have uh, uh, the club seats. So we fill up our second bowl better than we fill out our lower bowl. So it doesn't necessarily look as great on TV as it could, but it's been a, it's been a great transition. It, there was no other place for us to play back before Atlanta. So uh, the Braves moved out of Turner field, the Georgia dome was the option there. I mean, we could have gone to a different college or we could have you know upgraded a high school, but who wants to do that? So the only right. option was to play at Georgia Dome, and we it wasn't not it was not expensive. It was very very nice. It was a lot of fun, but I ha- there's nothing like having your own stadium on campus because it effectively is on campus. Georgia State is right there. Uh, students used to park uh, at Turner Field to go to go to ga- go to campus. So, right. But I think we were originally looking at potentially raising the stadium and building kind of an director set stadium as some of their schools have done. Um, I'm glad we didn't go that direction. Uh, you know, while our stadium was a baseball field and before that an Olympic stadium, it has a lot of character to it. And I think it's a, what it makes it kind of special. I agree. I agree. And it's got to help yeah. with guys. It's got to help with recruiting, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, they did a great job with actually turning the locker room. The I think it was actually the visitor's. Uh, locker room from the baseball team that got turned into a completely renovated, modernized, awesome looking uh, locker room for the players. And they have access to be able to come straight from the field, from the old dugout uh, stairs. But then obviously for games, they come out the corner and rush the field like you know everyone else does. But uh, they, they get to save a few steps on days that they're practicing and just walk right out the field uh, there on the dugout. So, but uh, so you guys have played a game. We've played a game. Uh, we both <laughs> came out of the same end of that uh, the, the win loss record there. Uh, you guys had a tough one. <laughs> uh, UCF is not an easy team to play. And going into the season, I did some uh, research on the preseason expectations. And from what I can tell, ECU was a I, want, I don't want to say dark horse, but was was in talk of contending for 
the uh, the AAC championship or playing for it. But uh, guys, the, the ball definitely did not bounce Charles way this past week. Uh, what do you think happened that uh, the, the score was it 51-28? So it looked like you guys got out to a quick start, get the first touchdown, and then things got a little crazy for a while, and then UCF just kind of ran away with it until you guys made a, a late fourth-quarter effort, but obviously just, you know, unfortunately not enough for you. What happened in that game? Well, uh, for us, I would say I'll start off, and then, Bubba, if you want to piggyback. Um, basically, the uh, we had three turnovers. Uh, we, we fumbled the football, um, so the, we had the three turnovers there in uh, the first half. And anytime you're playing a game like UCF, you just can't, you got to protect the football anyway, but especially against them. Um, we only gave up three points. We gave up a field goal off of those three turnovers, but yet that was opportunities that we didn't have on the offensive side of the ball. And up until, like I was talking about on our show earlier, we had um, up until the 458 mark and the left in the first half, the second quarter, we were in that ball game. And then they scored a touchdown. And then right before halftime, they scored a touchdown. And Bubba, I'll let you pick up on the second half. It was like two quick scores. And like you said on our show, it goes from like 13 to 7 to 41 to 7. Right, Bubba? Yeah, David. Um, and you talk about the fast start. Um, nine plays, 75 yards, and went right down the field. And you could not have scripted a better start uh, offensively. And then um, kind of like Dave was saying there late in the – Late in the first half, when it was when it was thirteen seven, um, we had a had a bust in the secondary, uh, blown coverage, and that that resulted in a, a touchdown. Then they also had that touchdown late in the first half that he already mentioned, and then uh, in the first, oh, we'll see, almost exactly five minutes of the second half, um, UCF punches in two more. Uh, all of a sudden, it went from thirteen seven to forty one seven, and literally uh, le- less than ten minutes off the clock. So uh, that kind of I mean, that that, breaker kind of kills or that, builds the momentum for them, kind of kills the momentum for you guys. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I was watching the score of that game. We were, I was personally watching uh, our conference mates play battle it out. So I didn't get a chance to watch y'all's game. It was at the same time, but uh, you know, looking at, at the East Carolina last season, looking forward to this one, that's a quarterback of yours. Uh, Holton was his last year. Yeah, he seems like a, a stud. Just an absolute stud. Putting up uh, the article I was reading said that after the bye week last week, last season, uh, he was putting up five hundred something yards, uh, twenty one touchdowns or something like that. Uh, yeah, so he's a you know if he can get some protection around him, that's a guy that we've got to look out for uh, coming up this Saturday. Yeah, he's a guy. He grew up in an East Carolina family. Um, he comes from a long line of pirates. Um, played right there in Greenville at D.H. Conley High School. Um, our previous regime, um, Coach Scotty Montgomery, was able to keep him at home. And uh, uh, NC State was after him extremely hard. Uh, Georgia came in on him late. Um, Kirby Smart and company offered him. Um, but he wanted to be a pirate, and um, we're very happy that he did. And uh, uh, Holton, he's continued to progress. Uh, he is a dual threat. Uh, he's his biggest thing right now that he needs to improve is his accuracy, and I'm sure he'd probably be the first to tell you that. Um, really felt like that was coming along late last season. Um, wasn't where it needed to be in game one, uh, so we'll see uh, moving forward. But uh, Holton Aylers, um, he's not only a tremendous football player, but he's exactly what you want from one of your best football players in the 
he brings all those intangibles, has that it factor, and uh, really brings all those things to the locker room and to the practice field, et cetera, uh, that you want from your quarterback or one of your top players. Yeah, I can definitely see that from uh, the numbers uh, and everything. Hey, Tim, I want to ask one more question. And I'll let you get to these guys as well. Sure. I noticed by looking at the uh, the stats from the game is he uh, Holton threw it around quite a bit. There were, I think there was nine, eight, nine different receivers that call it a pass. Is that typical? Is that what you guys do? You spread the ball out like that? Or was that just a what the hell is going on this game? Who's going to catch the ball? Who's going to make something happen and get us out of this slump? So should we? what should we expect uh, Saturday? I think you'll expect uh, that. I think that there's a number of guys that are obviously Bubba and I would watch out for. There's probably about four guys that are like the marquee guys, but um, there's others that are going to get touches. And then the running game, um, there's some bright spots. There's some younger guys uh, uh, that come to mind, and uh, they were doing well, especially they were doing well late when Central Florida obviously didn't have their star players uh, in. However, um, that's the thing is that uh, East Carolina right now has to deal with is the fact that we're going to be that we're going to be the uh, in, in a rebuilding process. And it's been five straight losing seasons. So we're going to try to get a chance where hopefully we can turn this year around. But definitely next year, guys, 2021 is going to be definitely our year as a lot of these guys are going to be upperclassmen. And so, well, now that the rule that we get extra year. Uh, same thing for you guys. The, these guys get an extra year, which is a whole nother show. Um, but these guys have a chance to play three or four years together. And that's something um, Bubba, I know uh, he's a numbers guy. We have 54 new players in one year, guys. Um, that's not something to be proud of. But um, basically, Coach Houston's got rid of a lot of uh, the riffraff, a lot of the locker room lawyers, the guys that are the cancer. hate to use that term of the locker room. Um, but the guys that were called causing problems internally and the guys that are American talent um, and the guys that were not physical or the guys that are not practicing, or we've had some problems under uh, Scotty Montgomery where the players would quit. And that's one thing he talked about today in his press conference. Um, you don't see now when you're watching the film after the game or you're watching the game live, you don't see guys quitting. And that was one thing that was very hard. I know for Bubba Rosenbaum, Dave Richmond, uh, anybody that's a coach, former player, it's very hard to watch a, a proud program like us and you have guys wearing the purple and gold and they don't give you 100%. They might give you 25% when they go on the field. What about you, Bubba? Yeah, elaborating a little more on the wide receivers. I and mean, You asked about those guys. Um, we're pretty good at the skill positions and they did have kind of a disappointing effort in game one. UCF is extremely old and um, extremely talented in the secondary. I think all five of the starters – in the secondary are seniors, and they did an excellent job of blanketing the likes of C.J. Johnson, Blake Pro, and Tyler Smead. Uh, all three of those guys that I just mentioned had 50 catches or more a year ago. Um, you also have a guy like Audio Matosho. Uh, he's a UCLA transfer prior um, to last season, um, and he was coming in at the last minute, um, came in extremely out of shape, um, Audi had a tremendous offseason, and he, he's someone to really keep an eye on. Uh, he had three catches for 56 yards against UCF. Um, he's out of, out of Plano, Texas, and um, has nice size, um, nice speed. Uh, is a real deep threat. Um, at running back, uh, last year we were tremendously thin. Uh, this year in that room, uh, Coach Houston has really bragged on them throughout camp and, uh, and was, it was pleased um, 
with how they performed in game one. And he talked about Keaton Mitchell, who's actually a Georgia native, and Raji Harris, who's out of South Carolina. Both of them are true freshmen. He was saying that the stage was not too big for them in game one. Uh, the biggest thing that they have to improve on is not those two guys, but just the running back room in general was hanging on to the football. We, we fumbled it um, at least four or five times and I think lost three of them against UCF. So uh, Keaton Mitchell's more of a speed guy, had eight carries for 66 yards against the Knights. Also some catches out of the backfield. And then Darius Penix and Raji Harris are bigger backs. Um, um, and Harris probably has a little bit more speed than Penix, but um, both both of them run uh, fairly well. But um, those are guys that are going to be more likely to see in short yardage situations. And um, you also have Chase Hayden, who's an Arkansas grad transfer. Yeah, there's probably going to be more, more, there's probably going to be four running backs you'll see on on Saturday. If I had my there's more in the room, but those four, as Bubba mentioned, are probably the ones that get the touches. Yeah, that's what I was looking at, and the stats from the game against UCF. Uh, several, there was four or five guys that got several carries, not not just one or two, several carries. So, hey Tim, what you got, man? Yeah, so you know, I think we're all in the conference, not conference USA, in Sun Belt. We're jealous of where you guys are at in the American. Obviously, you guys made that move, I think, in 2014. Um, how did that transition go, like? How did you guys? What was the biggest thing that got you guys over the hump to get into the American from Conference USA? Um, I got well, I got two words for you, Terry Holland. Um, yeah, Terry Holland did. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a athletic director. I think that's that's the thing, guys. Is that leadership is everything, and uh, one of the things that we like now is we have a breath of fresh air with our new um, athletic director and administration with John Gilbert. Um, nobody's going to be perfect, but they're definitely better than, oh my gosh, it's not even close. Um, you know, we, they fired our coach Ruffin McNeil, um, which he, he's the one that made the transition from conference USA to the American. We had Lincoln Riley as our offensive coordinator. He left to go to be the offensive coordinator at, uh, at Oklahoma. And now of course mm -hmm. his coach there. And then we had our star quarterback in 2015 goes down. What was a week, Bubba? Ben, uh, Kurt Benkert goes down about a week or so before uh, fall camp before the season starts um, tore his ACL. He's out for the year. So we went from having uh, another bowl type year to uh, certainly uh, four. Uh, we had five wins that year and we could have easily had seven or eight, but we missed out and it definitely made a difference. Not having uh, your starting quarterback. We had guys that were not division one quarterbacks playing quarterbacks. So that hurt us. But as far as, uh, leadership that makes a huge difference to get to to me to the american i think your buddy kyle agrees he commented here uh terry holland got us in and after he left we went to shit that's the long and short <laughs> i like that answer that's quick to the point that's a very right. style answer right there i like it yeah. i like it uh, that, that, that's what you're gonna get from kyle I mean, that, that's one of the things he brings to the podcast he is uh he's not going to sugarcoat anything well i look forward to talking to him on thursday uh for everybody listening, I'll be on uh, the Sport Objective there Thursday live stream and podcast, uh, along with our, our good buddy, Ben Moore. So definitely make sure to give that a listen uh, on Thursday or Friday when the podcast comes out, I guess. So um, actually, Tim, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, their defensive coordinator came from uh, Kennesaw State over here this season. 
Great. <laughs> and as I was doing some research, a guy on the internet said that the defensive line is uh, unbelievably young. And uh, last week, most of the go- those guys were getting either their first uh, college start or their first pirate start. So, uh, and obviously UCF kind of, you know, did what they wanted to do. Did you still see things about what they were doing that made you feel good about that defensive line being stronger than what it was in previous seasons? Absolutely. Um, Coach Houston talked about the the very green defensive line that you referenced. Um, we played at least 10 guys there, 10 to 12 guys rotating them in. Uh, last year, we played the bulk of our snaps on, with just the starting four, which is – um, you know, in a, in any conference, but especially a league like the American, uh, that's going to be hard to be competitive on doing that. And so we, like I said, rotated 10 or 12 guys in, and all of those guys with the exception of one, uh, and listen to this name, Hosey Haji Badri. Uh, <laughs> so Hosey, uh, he was the only one that had any snaps um, from a year ago. Um, we had a couple of guys who had played on special teams, uh, but – Coach Houston said he was pleasantly surprised. Um, um, they chart lows, and um, all those guys um, had very few lows. Um, so he, he thought they were playing with excellent excellent energy and excellent effort. And um, sure, they made their mistakes, but he thinks they have a lot of upside. Um, but how quickly can they grow up? We shall see. Well, guys, I- to be fair to the defensive line, I want to make one yeah. quick point. Yep. Uh, um, and I know Bubba – will agree with me on this. Basically what happened is with uh, Coach Houston coming in, he had nothing to work with. Um, but the defensive line, we had talent at defensive line. The first string was fantastic. But like Bubba was talking about, uh, the problem was after the, the first team, you pretty much didn't have defensive line between being kicked out of school, uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, injuries, you name it, all kinds of reasons why we only had basically a first string. So, um, that was the thing for me is not that the defensive line was bad as far as the uh, first string. It was just a matter of there was nothing behind it. And that's a common theme. That's why you have 54 new players this year. We didn't have the depth. We didn't have the, I mean, you could go, we could do a whole show on <laughs> on the depth chart about how many players are left from, you know, such and such an era and you would be shocked. So that's one thing that the transition for this team has been um, big time for us. So uh, Kyle's chiming in again. We should have, I guess we should have had Kyle come on the show as well. I didn't want to get that outnumbered on my own show here, but, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he corrected his spelling in the, uh, in the further comment, but your head coach, Sean Elliott wanted our job, but our pathetic athletic director at the time, Jeff Comfer hired Scott Montgomery. Instead. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sure coach Elliott probably did want a job inside the state of North Carolina. That's where all the kids he, uh, he gets or, or I guess Carolina, North Carolina, South Carolina. We seem to have a lot of kids coming from the Carolinas. So uh, I, he, he still, I guess he still kind of recruits as if he uh, had gone to the East Carolina. But we like we like Coach Elliott. He's a good guy, good, uh, just a good football coach, good guy type thing. And he's an offensive line guy. So uh, if that defensive line is a little green, maybe we have an edge in that aspect of the game this week. Uh, I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I did have a, one question I want to make sure to ask you guys was uh, going into the season. We all had our expect, expectations. I'm sure you went through the, the schedule and put your W's and your L's and your pencil, uh, which games you thought you're going to win and you're, you were going to lose. Uh, has your expectation about the competition of this game changed 
after uh, your year one game, our one. I mean, it's just a weird season. But uh, how do you feel about the competition in this game coming up on Saturday? No, you better bring game, otherwise we'll lose. Uh, <laughs> I think I think there's some East Carolina fans. Just to be honest, um, they're they're living on uh, what you know what took place several years ago. Um, the reality is that um, the last four years, um, and I guess five years to be honest, and going back to the final year of the Ruffin McNeil era when we won five games, um, but we're much more competitive. And then three wins, three wins, three wins, four wins. Um, um, there's no reason we should be taking anybody for granted, uh, much less Georgia State. And um, you guys last year, yes, it was an up and down season, um, but if you can go to Tennessee and win, uh, why would any of our fans think we can't lose this weekend is beyond me. Uh, I mean, we're the, we're the ones a couple years ago, and this this really is irrelevant. But we, I mean, we lost to North Carolina A and T at home, and they're they're a solid SCS program. But uh, but Georgia State, um, Coach Elliott's done a tremendous job on taking y'all to two bowl games in the last three years, and um, and puts a very competitive product on the field as we saw against Louisiana. So if we don't if we don't bring our A game on Saturday, we'll lose. Yeah, we definitely feel that way. I think that most people are wondering that very fact is that where are these people been uh, that they want to, if they ever want to uh, question Georgia State? Because, yeah, you may not have the marquee name um, because you're br pretty much a brand new program. But those of us that follow East Carolina, that those of us that follow college football, we know what you've done and we know your resume. Just like Bubba said, I'm glad you said that, Bubba, about Tennessee. You know, um, Sean Elliott's a great coach. I think what you guys are doing, and I think you have an advantage because you have an Atlanta, a great hotbed of, of high school football. And, yeah, I know you have Georgia and Georgia State and things are crowded in there with SEC country and all that. But I think there's something to be said for the program. And I think that Kyle, myself, and Bubba, have uh, all three of us have a lot of respect for the program. And I think anybody that follows college football uh, would know that you guys deserve respect. and um, and like Bubba said, it doesn't matter if it's Podunk State. We shouldn't take anybody for granted right now. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, whenever we have we lose a game, I'm gonna have you guys come on here and just tell me how good <laughs> we are all over again because that feels good. I like that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Um, you know, it's interesting you guys talking about your last few seasons. You have very consistent losing seasons. We like to do something a little different, where we like to win seven games and then win two, and then win seven games and then win three. <laughs> um, so we're hoping this is the year that Elliot takes us out of that repetition and we win six or seven games this year. At least from my perspective, I hope we're out of that because I don't like the up and down seasons that we have. It has been up and down. The past six years has literally been uh, barely win a game, go to a bowl game. Barely win a game, go to a bowl game. So we went to a bowl game last year. We're really hoping to not barely win a game this year. Uh, Vegas doesn't seem to have any clue what's going to happen with this game. Uh, the uh, the point, the line on it has been anywhere from one to three points in Georgia State's favor. And I think I even saw one thing that said uh, it moved to uh, a point in ECU's favor just here within the past couple of hours. But the uh, one thing I think is interesting is the over-unders 70 points. So I think we're going to see another good offensive game. And I'm going to go ahead and put my prediction down as uh, that 70 points is, or 35-34, Georgia State comes out the victor on this one. That's what I'm going to put out there. We'll see. We'll see. Do you guys have, Do you guys want to put any numbers out there before you do your own show on Thursday? 
I'll, I'll wait until Thursday. That's what. Fair enough. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Tim, do you have any more questions for these guys before we uh, let them off the hook? They've already been doing like three hours of podcasting tonight. <laughs> Can you tell us the secrets to keeping your fans when the uh, the winds aren't racking up? Because we need the secret sauce. We don't have it. I wish. Uh, hey, I I would love to ask you that question. Uh, I think that you know, our fan base. <laughs> has a storied past. I mean, we have a lot of wins. I think that, like we talked about, we have a different reason why we don't have the fans um, because of unfortunate hires at Chancellor. And, you know, we could go on and on again. We don't want to waste your time, but there's a lot of problems we've had and there's a lot of bitterness still. There's a division. Um, the administration has tried to put together uh, a slogan, One Pirate Nation. But the reality is we won't have one pirate nation again, Tim, until we actually have wins. I think that's going to be huge. And we have to, our facilities, we've got to, there's some things, indoor practice facility and some other things we need to improve. So um, that our uh, pirate club, we need to improve that. We have a lot of great people that work there, but we don't have a pirate club director. So um, not to air out dirty laundry, but I wish I had, if I had that answer, Bubba, you and I could go to work for the pirate club and the administration and for ECU and we'd be the, the best thing ever for the program, but I don't have the crystal ball. I really don't, uh, other than winning football games, that's about the only way I know that our fan base will come back. What about you, Bubba? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Um, but just as far as this series in general between East Carolina and Georgia state, uh, I think what is it 27? You guys come to Greenville, something like that, because I know th yeah, this game. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. This is a, a very uh, distant home and home. Yeah. With 2020 and then 2027 with you guys up in uh, in Greenville. I hope to make that game if I'm still around, alive and kicking myself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's yeah. um. Yeah, it's a shame that under the current circumstances with the limited capacity, because I honestly think with the large alumni base that East Carolina has in the greater Charlotte area where I am, that we would probably we'd bring a few thousand fans probably down to to the stadium there. Well, we have a few openings between now and then. Maybe we can get another um, a rematch going on with uh, I mean, I think that East Carolina, obviously Georgia State it's in our minds more of a profile of academically location regionally fits more of a profile of an American athletic conference school being in a, an, a downtown urban university and whatnot. So this is a big game for us. We feel like if we think that we deserve to be in the American, we've got to be able to, you know, at minimum compete with the American. So this is a big game for us and uh, look forward to the game on Saturday. Uh, too bad. Neither of you guys can make it down here, hopefully in, um, in my fifties, I'll, I'll make it up there to, uh, <laughs> Greenville for our rematch. But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for, for joining us. Appreciate, appreciate it. you coming on. Yeah, definitely. We enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Talk to you on and uh, best of luck Saturday. All right. Thanks guys. Right, appreciate thanks it much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I think, uh, they average 30K plus fans a game. I will take that number any day for George State. <laughs> yeah, we uh, report half that, and uh, I would take that half as well. No, um, yeah, yeah, they uh, they have a good uh, 
they they kind of downplay their fan base, but we all know that those pirate it's, fans are, are rabid and crazy. I guess we'd probably do the same thing. If we have 30,000, we want 45, right? Right. I, I get it. But, you know, they have a really solid fan base that follows them. I mean, I just looked last season up, and they averaged 30K with their three or four wins. That's can you, solid. Can you imagine the park with 30,000 fans in it every single game? Where would we put all those people? Let me see 25. <laughs> we got to put the standing room only deck. People got to bring their their cord cutters and start cutting those uh, tarps off the top. I guess right. Just open a couple sections up, little slivers. We'll sell some general admission tickets and have them uh, over there in the university club or whatever it's called. Watching from the uh, rafters, watching from the uh, what was it called? The state side grill, state grill. <laughs> Way out there. Way out there. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for them coming. I'm disappointed, obviously, due to COVID, limited fans. Um, you know, because I think they would have brought a truckload of people, and the tailgating would have been awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely what I was looking forward to about this game. You know, we talk about when we have the armies or the other schools that come down here, uh, Memphis, when that was scheduled, and they uh, got scared of us and walked off. Uh, about, about getting that just that real rabid fan base coming there, and we did have that with. Um, Air Force, I think, actually brought a good crew to the Georgia Dome way back when, but still, it wasn't a football packed house. This right. was a game where I felt like we would finally get a packed house. Be- Unfortunately, it would probably be lopsided towards the away team, but it still, would be. I like the excitement, especially if we can beat them when they're in here at our at our home. So, kind of like Army, right? That's a bummer. Exactly, that's a bummer. And there, but uh, uh, can you believe that we were actually uh, favored against an American athletic team? I was going to say it in front of them. I was like, if you asked me before the season started, would we be favored to beat East Carolina? I would have said absolutely not. Right. But, right. Yeah. I, I was looking forward to this game. It's probably the one that was on the schedule I was most excited about before everything, you know, went to crap uh, just because of one, the fan base showing up here, but because of a game that, yeah, I'm nervous about the competition. But if we can win that game, that's that's a big win. It's not a Tennessee win. It would not have been like a win against Lafayette, but it's right. a it, it's a big win. Like I was talking to the guys at the end. You know, if we want to if we want to be in the American, we got to compete with the American. We did not do that when we played Memphis, uh, but we can do that against ECU this Saturday. And I do like our chances from what I saw against Lafayette and what I saw these guys play against UCF. Now, granted, UCF is a far better team. Oh right, but. Um, They've got one game. We've got one game. I think we looked better in our one game than they looked in theirs. I thought we looked – I mean, I know I was on the podcast last week because I was intoxicated, but <laughs> I thought we looked uh, pretty good against Louisiana. Voila. Um, I, you know, it was back and forth. I think, you know, Quad, obviously, his first real game, right? Like, it's him start to finish. There were some rough edges here and there, but I think overall he did a pretty good job managing the entire game. And, you know, we had chances to win yeah. against the number 19 team in the nation for that week, for two weeks or something. I don't know. I'm sure well, you're going to talk about that. I tell you what, I would have felt a lot better about this game had we had the chance to play Charlotte last week. And obviously if we would have come home with the win in that one. So we, we mentioned it a little bit before we got started talking to – the sports objectives at Dave and um, to Bubba. So yeah, <laughs> looking forward to this game all week long last week, Friday got, I think, I think I even had both kids in bed asleep already. And I may be making that up. I think, I think you're making that up. Yeah. I mean, I'm making that up because it came out like at five o'clock. Right. Anyhow, we get the news that 
the game has been postponed. And the, the press release that came out was a little uh, confusing. It said, right. it said that we postponed it out of caution, but it didn't say we postponed it out of our caution of our own team, just out of caution. An abundance of caution. Abundance of caution. Where, uh, oh, there we go. Abundance of caution. That's our episode title. Remember that. I'll <laughs> it. Um, abundance of caution. But I'm like, all right, well, Charlotte had to cancel a game last week against UNC. Are we just not wanting to catch the Coro from the 49ers? I mean, that, that's kind of a weak excuse for us to cancel a game. Right. So I texted you know, Ben, and I'm like, is this us or them? And he says, it's them. And I'm like, all right, cool. I feel like my, my, de- my, my depression kind of just like went away. It's like, all right, fine. They canceled it. We can do nothing about that. That's, that's on them. And then like seconds later, he's texting me, nope, it's us. And that depression went from depression to straight rage. I was so mad. I was so livid that we had done something wrong to make this happen. I mean, I was just in a bad mood, bad, bad mood. My wife's watching right now and she can attest that I was, uh, I held it in. I think I held it in. I just wasn't in a happy go lucky. It's Friday. I'm gonna have a drink and enjoy the after the evening kind of mood. Kim can comment if she wants. <laughs> but then it comes out Sunday. It was a false. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even a false negative or false positive. Sorry, it wasn't a false positive. It was just the lab read the whole thing wrong. I mean, is that not the most GSU thing? I know I know it's not our fault, but it's like the most GSU facepalm thing ever. Oh, but my first question is, wait, you have to read all these other tests. How did you read these wrong? Were they complicated tests? What like complicated order? I, I well, I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near smart enough to know how all this stuff operates, but you feel like it's a pretty objective thing, not knowing anything about it. I I don't know. It was uh so if we would have gotten so they, they went back and they tested. They did another test on Friday. Everything came back neg- uh, yeah, negative. And right. they retested the Thursday samples because apparently that's a thing. And all they all came back negative. So then they went back and asked the guys and they, oh, yeah, we messed up. Like, so I've been rooting. You know this. For, I've been rooting for chaos during this football season the entire time. Chaos, chaos, chaos. But not, so now. <laughs> not when it affects Georgia State. <laughs> so, this is not the chaos. The chaos I wanted put us in the college football playoffs. Not us missing a game against the uh, Charlotte 49ers. I might be in the minority here, but I want us to make up the game. I think there's some posts on Panther Talk about we won't make this up unless we have to. Well, so the deal is it's postponed. Everybody says postponed. Yeah, postponed. When are you going to play it? March? There's no open spaces on our schedule to match up with uh, Charlotte's unless we play December 5th, which is the Conference USA Championship. Charlotte's probably not in the Conference USA Championship. Probably not. So it could get made up, but do we do we make it up? Do we do that? I, I say do it. I mean, a win will be a win if there's something called bowls this year. I don't know. Well, this whole year's screwed up anyway. So when do you schedule that? Do you schedule that now? Do you say, all right, let's do December fifth, contingent on whether or not Charlotte makes the, uh, the the championship, or do you wait until to see if they made it or not? Because what if they suck? What if they don't win a game and they're like, no, we, we don't win another loss. Screw you guys. We're, we wouldn't lose, right? Oh, they don't want to play. I know, I know what Charlotte says. I'm talking about us. We're going to win the whole damn thing. They're going to be like, hey, we got COVID again. Sorry, we can't play. I mean, they have two games, right, that they've not been able to play now? Yeah, they, they had UNC the week before us. 
Right. So, I mean, will UNC, UNC won't want to make that up. They won't. Right? There's no way they're going to schedule that game. Why would, why would they do that? They got their ACC Ws to live off of. So, I don't know. I want to play the game. I hope we can reschedule it. But then what do you do if you have two games like this? Now you're going to have to start picking and choosing which one. Well, you, you have to pick the conference game. Oh, yeah. Totally. That's all we have left after ECU this week. All we have left is conference. I mean, the, the Sun Belt Championship hasn't moved back by a week. So if we lose a conference game, then you, that's got to be the one that you pick up. And so speaking of that, South Alabama and Troy canceled today. So who's the culprit? Not that it, South Alabama, but not that it affects us. But I'm saying these, this stuff still happened. We're another weekend of, of games getting canceled. So I don't know. Did you listen to Coach Elliott's press interview this week? I did not get a chance to listen to the uh, media yeah, day. Um, so <laughs> funny enough – all the questions were about Charlotte, and there was not any questions about ECU. I'm like, all right, Charlotte, disappointing that we didn't play. Some questions to be asked for sure, but <laughs> let's talk about ECU. But you could tell, like, that, des- that disappointment and that frustration in Coach Elliott's was because normally he's so upbeat, even after a loss. He comes in and he talks, he does any kind of interview, he's upbeat. He's like, oh, yeah, they got the best of us this time, but we're looking ahead to blah, 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 whatever. Nah, he was just kind of like, yeah, well. We got the news 20 minutes before the buzz. He just, he, you could tell he was just like, I don't, this is not how I expected to coach a game or coach, be a coach of or whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. Can't they get the test results earlier so they can double check the test results now in the future? Maybe, I don't know, something, you know, so we don't cancel another game for no reason. You want to, you want to make it even worse? Uh, Charlotte was going to miss 25 players in that game. Ooh, really? <laughs> Yeah. So. They were probably happy the game was postponed. <laughs> but like, oh, thanks, you know. So, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Um, so, uh, I guess one of the biggest things that came out news-wise, uh, roster-wise, is our backup quarterback is now an inside linebacker. Interesting, right? You now have less quarterback choices if quad should get injured for some weird unknown reason. I mean, I guess technically, so I'm talking about Jamil Muhammad, who was the transfer from Vanderbilt that we were all very high on coming in to compete for the starting job. And I guess we kind of all thought the job was his just because of that transfer and quad with his experience beat him out. And in my opinion, quad showed out that he was definitely capable of, of leading this offense. I'm, I'm totally okay with quad being the starting quarterback, but it's strange that uh, a quarterback moves to, inside linebacker according to the same interview uh coach elliott says that he's just too dynamic too dynamic of an athlete to keep off the field i mean maybe he just wants to play he doesn't want to stay on the sidelines that's exactly it he he wants to play he he saw his chances were incredibly limited but that means that our covid case uh mckelly calcerto who was off the team and back on the team is number two qb2 so i mean i guess it's working out for everybody right Kind of. Right? Thank you, COVID? No? I don't know. So does, does the transfer also get another year? From what I understand is... Uh, Everyone gets a year? Basically, they're not charging eligibility for this year. So, like, everybody gets a... Like, it's a social everybody plays. <laughs> oh. So what happens next year, then? Does he... Uh compete? Try to compete for the quarterback position again, or... It's a good question. I never thought about that. Yeah. 
I mean, I would assume, I mean, if the season goes well, if Quad does well, it's going to be his team next year as well. So right. that, that was a, we knew we had three freshman quarterbacks. Was it three or four coming into the season? So four. Yeah. Yeah. It, like we, we have, we have trouble getting one quarterback to be here for four years or even three years. And now we have four guys that are all freshmen at the same time. Like, I guess we could have quad for five years. Yeah. It would be five years. Right. Cause he didn't. Burn. Yeah, so. he'll, he'll be like 30 before he graduates and leaves here. <laughs> um, we'll be in the American by then. So, you know, uh, all right. Well, last bit about, uh, uh, that, uh, I guess, well, actually this is the ECU game coming up. You're the uniform guy. What, what do we got uniforms wise this week? Don't know. But we discussed too soon. Oh wait, is this the uniform? I, I wrote down the uniform stuff, but this is probably actually from the Charlotte game. The what was it? Blue, blue white, white. Yeah, oh, I like nice. that combo. It's fine. I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I I only put it down because I thought it applied to this week, but it doesn't. Until they use the white helmet with the stupid font on it, I'm fine. The Panthers and the the player number. Yeah, I'm not yeah, a fan of that thing. We talked about it a little bit last week, but you know how um, much Ryan loves logos, colors, uniforms. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, actually, Brian wants us to come out naked. I think no pants is what he wrote on one of the threads. So, just the uh, just pads, <laughs> just pads and a helmet. I, I really hope they wear a cup. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, so talking about how the rest of the conference fared last week, that actually played games. Uh, Ryan actually came over and we watched the Lafayette Southern game. And that was a, that was a crazy game. I watched a bunch of the game uh, coming back um, from Florida and it was a good matchup. I was surprised. I was surprised how well Southern did. Um, what you mean is you're surprised how poorly Lafayette did to a team that beat Campbell by one. We gave Southern the blueprint. To play, yeah, because they were throwing the ball like crazy. I they was were. surprised by that. That was the one thing I took away from the game was they were really throwing the ball, throwing the ball well. Yeah, I cringed on that one throw from Shy Wirtz where that one-handed catch. He scrambled, him. almost, almost put his arm on the ground to like stop the play, and then threw it in the end zone. I was like, "Come on!" Was that the same one with the one-handed catch in the end zone? Hmm. Because that that that, was, that play, I had to get up the next morning and put on ESPN because it's NFL Sunday, and that they were doing all their best catches of Saturday, and they kept on playing that catch over and over again. It was it was um, a good catch as much as that makes me want to vomit. It was the number one. It was the number one catch of the or yeah, number one play of the day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh, so, yeah. that was another catch they made. It was the two point conversion. Was it two point conversion? They did a two point conversion, right? It, yeah, they did a two point. Uh, that that where point. he like almost got tackled, scrambled, and then just found you know one of the receivers in the end zone. Not the one, not the crazy catch. Right. And I was like, are you kidding? They scored like almost no time left and get the two point conversion. But then the kicker that can't kick a field goal. <laughs> makes a freaking 50 was it 53 yards something like that yeah well yes yeah, so that was amazing i couldn't believe it ryan and I are both us in disbelief that he actually made the kick but then so they they, they bar- barely beat southern who barely beat campbell they take georgia state to overtime or we take them to overtime yeah 
and the Big 12 comes back into the rankings. The Pac-12 comes back in the rankings, and all the Lafayette fans are complaining they're kicked out of the top 25. I'm like, if they would have had more like, better wins, because I think they came in like 26th or 27th when you think right on the edge, right? Yeah, if they would have had like quality wins, or I, I guess not quality wins, but like a convincing wins on both these teams. So yeah, suck it, Lafayette. You you, do, you weren't good enough. You won the games. You're three and zero. LSU's zero and one. I get it. You didn't win good enough. Get over it. We know the rankings are all messed up. Right. It's all subjective. It's all what these people think. And I guarantee you, if you played LSU right now, they would dismantle the hell out of you. So get over yourself. Right. Polls aren't you know polls aren't just about W's. They're about style points. And you didn't get any style points for barely beating Georgia State and. Barely beating Georgia Southern. Like, and as much as it doesn't make any kind of objective sense to it whatsoever at all, history is in there. Status is in there. An SEC 0-1 team is going to be ranked ahead of a Sunbelt 3-0 team when you're barely winning your games. Or teams that haven't even played yet. <laughs> or teams haven't played yet. Exactly. <laughs> zero um, win teams and zero loss teams will be ranked ahead of you. Yeah. Exactly. Uh one other, we'll talk about one other game. Not really talk about the games. I didn't watch it, but Monroe lost to Utah 30, 31 to six. I don't think Monroe wins a game this season. There was some crazy stat like UTEP hadn't won some game in three bazillion years. And I'm like, they picked the right team to play. <laughs> right? Exactly. So I say that, and it means we'll lose to Monroe now, but don't say that. <laughs> Uh, let's see anything else. Uh, there's no real rankings of that. None of the sites are doing conference rankings, like Sunbelt, Sunbelt rankings that I could find. No, probably like just fan rankings and everything. And uh, there's a few of them out there. And I'm thinking there's no reason why Southern should be ranked ahead of Georgia State. Yes, they have a win barely over Campbell, but I think we played uh Lafayette way better than Southern did. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, we came out pretty strong in that game. I mean, we knew Lala was going to come back and you know make it a, a game. I knew it was coming. Like they slowly eroded at the lead we built, which I knew was coming. But we responded pretty strong. Um, you know, just kind of end of that there. Uh, I don't know. I felt like we had a really good setup. Um, towards the end of the game, being on, like, what, the 46 or 44. Yeah, yeah we slowed it down a little bit. I mean, it, it seemed like our players were getting a little exhausted or something. But I think that if you looked at just those two games, you said, all right, I want you to tell me which team played better based off how they played this like opponent. I think that, I mean, unless you're biased, you're going to pick Georgia State on that game. So then you add on the Campbell one-point win. I don't think that's enough to put Southern above Georgia State. But they're all fan rankings, so who the hell really cares? True. We'll wait till a few weeks from now when maybe people start doing this and caring about it. So, but that's all I got for this week, man. That's all I got. We're at 59 minutes. We got to, we got to end this. Uh, I want to run through everything. Uh, We'll talk about this later, but uh, the NCAA actually gave us some good news. Ryan, uh, basketball transfer, Ryan Boyce has been approved to play this season. Basketball team could be scary this year. We'll talk a lot more about basketball probably uh, next week because it's the bye week, but uh, basketball team could be scary good in the Sun Belt, depending on how schedules play out and everything. So I'm excited about that. Uh, other sports, 
Uh, men's soccer beat South Carolina three to one. Undefeated, right? They're undefeated uh, this year. Men's soccer is two and zero. Oh. Yeah, just two games. I think it's Mercer and South Carolina. Uh, women's soccer beat uh, Georgia Southern one zero. Played at Center Park Stadium, which is pretty cool. You sent, me, cool. you sent yeah. me a picture of the layout. It's a little hard to see the lines and everything. But when they 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 got the benefit of being there at Center Park, and when they won, they got the, the light at blue stuff. They got the whole the train horn. They got the whole deal. It's pretty good for them. I like they it. Just, they should just play there all the time. Screw the whole uh, facility they're building. Just well, kidding. No, we want the facility. I mean, if we – I mean, is that a bad thing? Is it a bad thing for college to play their soccer games on a football field? I don't think it matters so much. You know, obviously, maybe the next time we refresh the turf, take all take a lot of the lines off so it doesn't look so busy, and mm-hmm. then just figure out where the hell all the lines are and the numbers and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, let's see what else we got. So that was uh, volleyball had a bad week against Troy uh, this week coming up. Men's soccer plays at UAB or sorry, play hosts UAB on Wednesday. Host Southern on Sunday, and then uh, while we record, they play Mercer on Tuesday next week. Volleyball host Southern. Man, a lot of Southern crap. Everybody, wear your masks and stay home <laughs> because Georgia Southern's coming to town. Um, and the women's soccer's got uh, Troy and South Alabama, and then women's cross country has uh, a meet at Jacksonville State Gamecocks. So, um, yeah. Good job, other sports. Yes, exactly. All right, well, um, that's all I got. We'll do some little last call action. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Good times. Hopefully, we'll see you out out at the game on Saturday. I'm hoping that Woods Chapel opens a little early again. I plan on grabbing a drink there before heading into the stadium. Otherwise, uh, go Panthers, and we'll see you. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Good night. That's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at State of Atlanta or on Facebook at facebook.com slash State of Atlanta. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, please rate and review us on your podcast app. Thank you very much and go Panthers.